It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, September 28th, headed towards the end of September and into October. The LA Galaxy lose 3-1 to to the Seattle Sounders, best team in the Western Conference. Uh, wasn't a very good showing for the LA Galaxy. We're going to talk a whole bunch about that game and sort of dive into those details, tell you why the LA Galaxy had 34 crosses to Seattle's 10. Um, and tell you what we sort of think about Chicharito, Julian Araujo, a bunch of other people, including Guillermo Barrichello, and whether or not he's on the hot seat. So we're going to sort of look at that again as the LA Galaxy have, of, of course, um, stretched their losing streak to three. Um, so that's on the on the docket. We also have some interesting information about Christian Pavone to discuss. Uh, we have some other stuff that will sort of get you ready for the game on Saturday against the San Jose Earthquakes as well. So a bunch of stuff to get to to help you do that. He's, he's not even in the, the, the People's Republic of California. He's not even in, 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 a, in, a, in a safe state right now. He's in Houston. He's in Texas. Uh, it's the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? Yeehaw! <laughs> I was going to say, you, I, ju- you just landed. I, Can we? I, I want to give you at least some props. You landed not that long ago. You flew from you know, L.A. to Houston. You get to your hotel. You go to your hotel room, and you plug in to be able to do the podcast. I mean, I know that I give you a lot of, a lot of stick on this show, but your dedication to being on this show on Monday night is appreciated. Well, and you should thank the TSA people, whoever it is that opens your luggage when you lock it and checks the stuff inside. You know how you get that little ticket in there that says that the government's been in your bags? Apparently, they went into it today to uh, check out the microphone. Yes, um, yes. They, uh, they saw that on the, on the x-ray and went in to look at the microphone. And, and I know that because um, the cord that you hook in you know, to, to the laptop and then into the microphone, that, that U- USB cord was loose in the suitcase. And I know that it was in the box for sure. So they opened that up and the cord came out. Thank God they didn't lose it. But uh, I, as you know, I'm here because the Houston Dynamo are the first team below the playoff line. And so that makes uh, them the team that both LAFC and the Galaxy are battling for a playoff spot. So I had to come to Texas to find out how people in Houston are feeling about that playoff race yeah. with uh, nine games to go. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it has something to do with that and not a presidential election. I'm sure that's 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 what it's about. Oh, there's a debate tomorrow. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Maybe something about that as well. Yeah, Kevin, you're getting stretched all over the place. Uh, by the way, I, I said it, I think, on the, the end of the last podcast we were on, but uh, you wrote a story about a uh, about uh, your, your, your family doctor growing up, um, and I told my wife that I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, I think I told you that as well. Uh, my wife said, is it really that good? And I said, I wouldn't be surprised if it won some sort of an award. All right. Now, I really like sort of hesitate to tell you that because I'm used to your head getting too big whenever that's that type of thing happens. But I just want everybody to know that they should probably go to the LA times or go on your Twitter feed and see and read the article because it is really good. You know, what was cool is a lot of people that also had Dr. Good as their family physician have that they've written in and told me about that. And it, it's, that's kind of cool. Cause you feel like you're part of a, you know, kind of part of a click. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's very interesting. So uh, you can go read about Doctor Good and do that. Let's get to some uh, soccer. Uh, I don't mean to toot my own horn, Kevin, but I think it's worth pointing out. Uh, Corner of the Galaxy had well, you just tooted mine, so y- go ahead. So I can toot my own. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, the corner, Corner of the Galaxy, the website, the podcast, what we do here, had four people at the game last night. I don't know of any other organization that gets I, that. I think you had five. You no. had a photographer too. Oh, that's I right. I did, I did have five. That's right. Steve was uh, was filling in for Brittany. Um, so Steve Carrillo and uh, Brittany Campbell are our two f- photographers. And Steve actually uh, works for the LA Galaxy and does some stuff. And then he, on the sort of on the side, he shoots for Corner of the Galaxy. You've seen his pictures. Uh, you've seen Brittany Campbell, who's a great photographer as well. Uh, her stuff was on there. Brittany couldn't make it. Steve asked if he could go. So we had Steve there as well. So we had Steve. Uh, we had you. Of course, you, you write for the LA Times. So I'm not taking credit for you being there just because of the LA Times. We had Sophie. Uh, who was at the game and I'm sure it was a lack of judgment on the LA Galaxy's part but we had the hammer there as well Eric was there uh, able to uh, to as he said uh, get by the spectrum blackout and somehow get to watch uh, live soccer so uh, Eric was there uh, paying attention to that game as well so 
Um, you know, it, it's one of those things that when I started the website, Kevin, and whenever I started the podcast, whenever I did this stuff, I didn't really know what I wanted it to be. But now that it is what it is, we have four people who are giving you independent views of your LA Galaxy team. Um, wow, this is what you wanted it to be? Yeah, you I, set the bar low. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. With you on it, for sure. Um, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, we have four people, five, if you count Steve taking pictures as well. You had five people at this game giving you a view into what the LA Galaxy are doing at a time when there are a limited amount of people who are watching live, live sports right now. Um, you know, I consider myself very lucky. I know Kevin does as well. I know Eric and Sophie we all felt very lucky. And I know Steve was totally psyched to be back in the stadium taking pictures as well. So, I mean, all of us enjoy what we do and we know that we have, you know, this responsibility to sort of do this stuff. Um, but, I, you know, just in terms of a little bit of corner of the galaxy pride and what we were able to do, we had four people at that game. The granted, Sophie doesn't have a corner of the galaxy press credential. You know, Eric was one of the corner of the galaxy. Steve was under corner of the galaxy. You're under LA times. Um, so, you know, we sort of mix and match, but I mean, consistently since 2000, you know, 12, really, we've had somebody at almost every single home game, the LA galaxy have had. And, uh, yay. You know what? I, I think we're it's doing like, okay. It's like ESPN. It's like ESPN at the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's right. They have 20 reporters. Uh, they get their own section. Um, and they all have, you know, a different angle. So, but, you know, talking about feeling lucky being at the games because so many fans want to be there and they can't. And and I saw it was the Galatians, I think, were out there yesterday with the drum. I really appreciated the drum pregame. It was really cool. But, you know, as we were walking out afterwards, um, it, it we were talking about how these games feel kind of like you're going to a dress rehearsal of a play. Um, it, likes a, it feels almost like a private audition. I mean, there's like 10 of us sitting up there on the concourse above the field and there's no one really else in the, in the stadium and they have that fake noise, but the players are down there playing. You almost feel like you can stop the game at one point and say, "Okay, stop, hold it. Let's let's try this one again from the top." Let's. Um, but it doesn't quite work that way. But it does feel like a private performance. Yeah, I'll tell you, there was a moment after the game that I thought was particularly weird, um, just just in terms of of COVID and watching these games. But uh, the final whistle had blown. Both teams were out on the field, and the 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 laugh track, I'll call it the you know the fan soundtrack that was there, just just stopped, and it cut off, and it faded away, and it was dead quiet in the stadium. There were there were fifty people on the field between the two teams and all the coaching staffs and all the subs and all that stuff. There were at least fifty people on the field, and you couldn't hear, hear a thing. It was just like pin drop quiet, and it was that way for about five seconds until they kicked like the house music on, and everything sort of came back. But it just it sort of took you out of a lot of times that that laugh track, even though it's not perfect, it, it does sort of make you almost feel like it's a it's a normal game, which it's not. And you if you use your eyes, but just like as you're typing, you hear in the background, you can see it. Um, you know, it's like, oh, this is a normal game. But that one split second, it was like, you know, the curtain got pulled back for a second. You got to see everything and be like, got reminded this isn't normal. This is what we're seeing and, and how these games are being played. None of this is normal. There's no fans in there. Um, you know, the intensity, I think, across the league is down because there's no fans. Um, these teams are exhausted because of all the traveling that they've been having to do and all the games that they have to play in a short amount of time. That's not normal either. So we're seeing all these things that are not normal. And yet we're almost trying to cover it, you know, from a from a normal perspective, Kevin, and we're not in the press box. We're we're sitting out on a concourse. We're outside at tables, which almost feels normal now that we've been there, you know, a bunch of times. Um, I, I will say the highlight of my night was that the LA Galaxy inside my my box lunch that I picked up uh, gave me Funyuns um, and Sour Patch Kids. Um, and I'd like to th- I'd like to thank Scott French for one complaining about the chip choice and two complaining about the candy choice and then giving me his Sour Patch Kids. So thank now, you. Now you realize you, that, that, that that's a free lunch that, that you guys are complaining about. Yeah, I wasn't oh, complaining. Scott's complaining about. There we go. Scott's complaining about free food. Um, you know, the, I've talked to some players who who mentioned the exhaustion and everything, and they said a lot of times, you know, you get exhausted in a regular season. You're playing in Houston um, in the middle of the summer; it's very hot or wherever. Um, and the players tell me that they lean on the fans to get them through that. Sometimes, even if you're on the road, you pretend like the the home fans are cheering for you. Uh, and the fans help you get through those moments of fatigue when you really don't want to go on. And and they're missing that now. And I do think you, you do see some flat performances. And I do you, 
think you see teams, uh, the, the Galaxy were very slow in the first half yesterday. I don't know if the fans or lack of fans had anything to do with that, but you do see some suboptimal performances around the league. And that's why, you know, the longest winning streak in the league this year is four. The Galaxy are tied for longest winning streak in the league at four. Yeah, with, you know, Col- th- with Columbus, th- by the way. I, I looked that right. up last night when you told me that. Yep. That's unusual. I mean, I think it's it, normally in a normal season it would be longer. Um, so everyone's pretty even. And as we talked about last night, it's very hard really to get a handle on who's the best team. Columbus has the best record, but they played Chicago slash Cincinnati five times. So that doesn't really mean much. I think Seattle has played a much tougher schedule, um, would probably be a better team. We'll find out when the playoffs start. But uh, the point I'm trying to make is when you sit down and you look at this and you want to criticize the Galaxy or you want to criticize a team or a player, um, that's fair to do because they are out there playing. And so, you know, they're leaving themselves open to that. But I do think it's very important that you temper that with saying, um, this is an unusual season, you know, and you really can't make any judgments for it. And it's maybe a little bit fair to be too harsh on people Given the fact that they started the season, stopped for four months, had a second, you know, preseason camp, went to Florida, played in bizarre circumstances there, some games at nine in the morning and, you know, the intense humidity, uh, came back home, had another preseason camp, and then started to play uh, this sprint to the finish where they're playing three games a week and traveling uh, to and from a, uh, you know, a road city in the same day. So you do have to recognize that this is not a normal season. Yeah, it's not, and uh, and I think that your 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 point about criticism is, is well taken. Um, having said that, let's criticize the LA Galaxy because they did lose to the Seattle Sounders uh, three to one, and that scoreline is almost flattering. It almost feels flattering to the Seattle Sounders. Um, the LA Galaxy came out and in a lineup that I thought was actually one of their better ways to line up. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm incorrect on some of this stuff. But uh, when you look at how it's set up with uh, with Felcher at right back, uh, with Araujo technically playing in front of him, which I always like those two matchups. I think that that provides the LA Galaxy with a good defensive core because Araujo covers for Felcher and Felcher covers for Araujo, so I like that. Um, and then with Dos Santos playing next to Joe Corona, maybe that was a mistake. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit. Uh, Sebastian Legette in there in the center, Pavone out on the left, Chicharito starting up top, so he starts a second game, goes 90 minutes. Jonathan Dos Santos, I think. Um, did he also make it 90 minutes? I can't remember if he, he made it all the way to 90 minutes, but... Um, there was uh, there was some some good in terms of getting those guys minutes. You got them the minutes that you were supposed to sort of get them in this game. Now, having said that, Kevin, you already mentioned it. The LA Galaxy came out extremely slow. Um, there seemed to be a lack of energy. I think Sebastian Legette was asked about it. I know Guillermo Barish Colota was asked about it, but it's just and, and it's becoming a repeatable pattern. It's something that we've seen many times from this Galaxy team is. You know, putting together 90-minute performances isn't something we've seen since basically the four-game winning streak and never outside of that. Um, You haven't seen the LA Galaxy battle for the entire 90 minutes. And in this game, they basically took, I would say, 60 or 70 minutes off. Um, Although they certainly had some chances early in the second half whenever they came back, I still never felt like they were dangerous or were going to to test, um, you know, Jordan Morris and and the uh, Seattle Sounders. Uh, my one take on that is that I think Seattle's a very, very good team. I think they're probably one of the top teams in Major League Soccer. I don't think that's a stretch. Uh, I think the chances of them repeating as MLS Cup champions in the COVID-shortened uh, time is probably pretty good. Um, but they have a gear and an understanding of their system that the LA Galaxy can only dream of. Uh, and you saw them uh, sort of uh, just outmaneuver, outclass, outwork, and, uh, and and really just you know outscore the LA Galaxy. It was it was a it was a long night. Um, I think for everybody covering it, it was a long game just because it was it wasn't that as exciting of, of a game when you look at the first half. Um, I know fans felt that way watching because I saw on my timeline all the different things. The fact the Galaxy were only down two nothing in the first half probably was a little bit fortunate. Uh, the fact that it only ended three one again I think was a little bit fortunate. But there were some players and some individual performances that I certainly want to talk about that um, that just weren't up to snuff as, as far as I'm concerned. So Kevin, what do you, uh, what, what did you see on the night? Well, I, I was a little disappointed with uh, Julian Araujo kind of losing control again uh, after the second goal. I know he was frustrated. It's only five minutes to halftime. Keep it together. Um, now he's uh, he's got another yellow card, and he's going to be suspended for the next game. I mean, he's a young player. He's still learning, clearly. He's he's very aggressive player. He's a physical player. He's talked a lot about how he has sort of grown out of his shell 
you know, uh, the, coming onto the team as a very young kid out of high school, he, he really didn't want to make too much noise. And he, now he feels like he's belongs, but I think he's got to rein in that play. And I know you're really high on him. You've talked a lot about how you, how you believe he's going to wind up in Europe and, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. And I, I think a lot of European clubs would, and even the Mexican national team who are looking at him when they see this, I think it, they see a, an unfinished product, a guy who's not ready for prime time just yet. Um, and I think, uh, you know, again, losing control and getting that yellow card. I know you thought it was kind of a soft yellow card, but it's still, knew, it's still knew, a yellow. You yeah. situa- knew the situation. Yeah, it's still a yellow card. I didn't want to mean to cut you off, but no, it, yeah, it's a soft, it's a softish yellow, but it's one that I'm like, yeah, I probably would have gave the yellow card too. I'm not surprised by Julian Araujo having, you know, this game. He had a horrible game. Uh, his passing wasn't good. He didn't look, he wasn't connected to Rolf Felcher. Um, a lot of that disconnectedness between Felcher and Araujo led directly to, I think, the first goal for sure. Um, that was when Felcher got caught forward and Araujo didn't track back far enough to track Morris all the way into it. And Morris, uh, Araujo has a speed matchup with Morris. I mean, those two are probably pretty close in speed. Maybe Morris is a little bit faster, but if you're talking anybody who is going to be able to cover Morris one-on-one, it would be Araujo, but you can't start that three steps behind. And Araujo didn't get quite tight enough and, and Felcher got caught way up the field in the attack because uh, as people rightfully pointed out on uh, on Twitter, um, you know, everybody talks about wanting to get this central attacking midfielder that's sort of going to help bring Chicharito back into, you know, the, the play. And we're going to talk about Chicharito too. Um, but at the same time, they seem to run a lot of offense through Rolf Felcher, um, which by the way, if you have a, if you have a, you know, central attacking midfielder you, the 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 felcher running the game through it doesn't really help you um so it, it's one of those weird things but for for araujo you're gonna get uneven performances the the bottom line is that we saw a consistent form from him earlier in the season and he has to try to match that maybe he put out too much effort we've seen young players not be able to pace themselves over long periods of time kevin uh we've seen guys who are not just are, are just not ready to playing at the professional level day in day out and what that means for your body and for your mental focus um and i think for araujo it's mental more than physical right now because he's 19 and seems to have a pretty good handle on um on the physicality part of things. But yeah, it was a horrible game from him. Um, he deserved to be subbed whenever he got subbed. Um, although I'd certainly say you might as well leave him in there at that point because uh, he was already not going to play against uh, San Jose after it. So, and Kevin, you, you get why he's suspended, right? It's the yellow card accumulation. Cause I get a lot of questions right. about the, yeah, it, it, just because he got, they're like, well, he already, he already got, you know, two yellows the last game. And so well, the, the second yellow doesn't actually count as yellow. It does, but it doesn't count in the accumulation. Um, and so he had four um, after the last game and then he got suspended because of the red card. And then he comes back and he was on yellow card watch with four. And, you know, basically he needed to play three games, I think, without picking up a yellow card it, in order it's to like, clear one. It, he's getting put in timeout. It's yeah. like you're out of control. Settle down. You're, you're going to watch a game. Yeah, yeah, I may have. But, a, but then he's he's suspended two of the last uh, two of three games for the Galaxy, and, and that's something they can't really afford. They can't because he's been one of their most consistent. And so, yeah, that's a that's a huge mistake. And I think him picking up that yellow card in in that minute, you know, that early in the game, really just that also takes him mentally out of this game as well. Um, not that it mattered much, um, but between that, so yeah, I think Julian Araujo had had a poor game. Who else? Who else let, was? Let, 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 let me ask you one more thing about Araujo though, uh-huh. because if you remember. After the last game, when he got the 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 second yellow card, which I think most people would agree was probably an unfair one, it was for for uh, swearing at the air, and the referee thought he was you know uh, talking to him, and uh, so the, we we can argue whether that was fair or not. But one of the things was everybody said he's going to learn from this, you know, he's going to learn to control his temper, he's going to learn how to channel that anger and that emotion, um, and then he comes back in the very next game, he doesn't even get through an entire half before he winds up being suspended yet for another game. Um, did he learn or did he not learn or did he just, uh, you know, lose control or what's the deal? Because everyone said that this was going to be a learning experience for him and it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you think his, his yellow card was particularly violent? Um, was it about losing control? It, it was, it was probably not smart. He grabbed a player as they went by him. Um, that at that point in the game, that's a borderline yellow card. If it was a little bit later, if it's in the second half, it's definitely a yellow card. I know we pretend like that, 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 that the time of the game and when it happens doesn't matter, but it absolutely does. Um, so, you know, is, is it horrible? I don't know. 
Uh, did he learn? Uh, listen, I already thought he was going to get suspended from, from this game anyway, just because I knew that Seattle was going to be physical and they, they were going to be way quicker than the Galaxy, and I thought Araujo was going to have a tough time keeping up. So I don't think I'm surprised. I don't know. The whole thing is a learning experience, right? Because he, he gets the two yellow cards, and that ends up the red, and that, that really screws things up for the Galaxy. And now he has to learn how to play on yellow card warning. It's something an older player might be able to do. So, yeah, I mean, this is a learning experience, too. It's not just about the two yellows. It's about this as well. How do you play whenever you're on, you know, a four, whenever you're on yellow card warning? How do you play physically like he wants to do, Kevin, um, and not get yellow cards? Those are things that he has to learn right now. I don't think the yellow cards are overly concerning, but he does pick them up on a regular basis. And most of the time, it's because he's grabbing people as they go by. And, and you know what What it, this leads to is then referees start to pay attention um, either they talk to other referees and said, oh, yeah, I gave a yellow card to this guy or you got to watch him or they, they look at the box scores and, and you know, the referees talk to each other. They look at the, the, the box scores and see what's going on. And, you know, it's just like in every other sport. If you get a your reputation for being a headhunter in football, you're going to get a lot more fouls. Uh, you're going to get, uh, you know, flagged for stuff that other guys get away with just yeah. because you have that reputation. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the reputation that uh, that Julian Araujo does not want to have. No, it's not. And I also think he doesn't get a lot of respect because he's a rookie. And we've seen that over the years, just as a player is more established, as they are more respected within the league, they get more respect. They get a little more leeway. I'll say a lot of Julian Araujo's yellow cards are probably well earned. Um, there's a couple of them that are certainly borderline um, and you can question those. But bottom line is Julian Araujo is not going to get the benefit of the doubt right now. Um, and he has to learn how to deal with that. I don't think it hurts his stock at all. Um, I think this is all part of the learning process. Um, but bottom line is that the LA Galaxy need Julian Araujo to be on the field if they're going to be successful, especially with Yoni Gonzalez, who um, let's let's talk about him real quick just for a second. Yoni Gonzalez was at the game. Uh, he was sitting, I believe, on the west side in one of the boxes up there. I asked the LA Galaxy was there, and he, he was indeed there. So he was sitting there. He is ready, and I was told he had been training. Now, whether or not that was with the team or off to his side, I can't tell you. Um, I don't have the specifics on it, but he has been training, and I, w and I would expect as the Galaxy get back to training on, on Tuesday that there's probably going to be some pictures of Yoni Gonzalez training with the LA Galaxy, and he'll probably play a role of some type um, up in San Jose, which is good because losing Julian Araujo, the LA Galaxy do have a hole at, at right wing. And so hopefully this, this this sort of puts it together. But for Araujo being suspended again, yeah, it's not good. Um, and he deserves to get criticism for the way that he played in this game, both on the field and for what his yellow card uh, does for the LA Galaxy down the road. So you were asking about what other players. You know, Pavone had his first shot on goal in three games. He also had the assist. I don't know whether that means that he's figured something out or not. He's still gone four games without a goal. Right. Um, he did get the assist, though, so so he's on the score sheet. Um, I think Chicharito was kind of hot and cold. As you, uh, I know you're prepared to talk about it. He had a lot of touches, but he also, I thought, had a couple of scoring opportunities that he just seemed to miss in front of the goal. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 most, the most obvious one there, I think, is in the, the – first half it was still the first half because it was on the other side um, I think it was around the 40th minute or so um, where they played a good ball in through the lines um, and it was Chicharito who broke in behind and I would hope and and we're going to get into talking about the LA Galaxy and their 34 crosses and all the different things that are sort of happening and, and why there are so many crosses and why there are no goals um, but I would hope that if he makes that run in the future there Kevin that we would find him cutting that ball back maybe to somebody who's open, but he did take the shot and he had to take the shot because he was played in that position. It's just a tight angle shot. And it was even easy for a, a very good goalkeeper like uh, Stefan Fry uh, to stop. So I thought that was good. Um, you were talking about one where he just missed the balls that came across. And so that was sort of one of the, one of the poachers goals that you'd sort of expect him to be at uh, wasn't quite in the right position. But if I look at this, um, you know, I've seen a lot of times when Chicharito has barely touched the ball um, at all in, you know, 90 minutes. And so I look at this and say there has been some improvement in that. I'm not saying it was great, uh, but he got 32 touches on the ball. He only had the one shot on goal, which isn't great. But if you go back and look, the only player who had more than one shot um, all night was Sebastian Legette, and he missed two sitters and, and knocked one in. Um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm sort of happy with the, with the continued growth and the inclusion of Chicharito, but the LA Galaxy have... Have, have struggled mightily in trying to find um, goals in the last couple of games they, in their losing streak. Uh, and since the basically since the shutout, um, the LA Galaxy have been outscored seven to one. Um, so, you know, in the last three games, they've been outscored seven to one. That's that, that can't stand. 
Um, and well, yeah, you know what else is troubling about Chicharito, and and it's you know it, statistics can tell you a lot of stuff. They can also lie a lot. He's played seven games, started five. The Galaxy have not won any of the games that he's appeared in, and I think they're four one and one without him. Um, does he? Does that mean that they played easy teams in those other games? Well, they beat LAFC twice, I think, without him. Does so that yes. mean that? <laughs> well, <laughs> or does, does that mean the team plays differently with him in there? Does that you know do do guys defer to him maybe unnecessarily? We saw that a lot with Salatan. Do, do guys def- defer to him and not go hard to goal? And then when he's not there, they do and they score. Um, talking about maybe Pavone and Leggett, do they play differently with him in there? I mean, you know, he, he returned to the starting lineup in the middle of this, uh, you know, at why they were winning. And, and now they're on this four game winless streak and they haven't, they didn't score in three of them. They have one goal since September 6th. Well, so well, I was going to say he returned to the starting lineup. Uh, in already in the losing streak, he didn't return. He was he was a substitute in some of the uh, the games before that, but I, I don't think he played in any minutes in any of the games they've won. Right, so he he didn't. He yeah, hasn't he has not appeared back. in a win yet. Yeah, he's not appeared in a win yet. A couple of draws, but yeah. not as not appeared in a win. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, and we've sort of beat this to death, but the Galaxy were already sucking before Jonathan Dos Santos and, and Chicharito came back into the, some of their sub roles. Um, they had already started that slide. The San Jose slide was not good. Uh, you know, the Colorado. Colorado game was not good, and if you go through, you know, 80 minutes of that Colorado game, and then you know Chicharito comes in, I, I don't think he has much of an impact on that. And the Galaxy continued to not find and create chances. I mean, I, I've been hammering Guillermo Barrichello, then maybe hammering is not correct, but I've been asking on a regular basis. I asked him after the RSL game on on whether or not he thought, you know, that the team was creating chances, and he goes and he talks about the four chances that they created, and it's like that's great, but when you were scoring, you were creating more than four chances. You were, you know, creating six chances. And even when the Galaxy were winning, Kevin, we should point out, and and I think I have pointed out, that the expected goals that the Galaxy were expected to score, they were outperforming their expected goals. So this seems more like an adjustment back to the to the average or back to the mean, right? An adjustment back to the mean, which is the Galaxy were scoring on a lot of goals that maybe they shouldn't have, and now they're missing goals that they should score. Um, and so, you know, that's particularly, you know, apt with Sebastian Legette in this game. Um, and so you can look at Chicharito and say, hey, yeah, he still only has one goal. And I've been seeing, and quite honestly, if you look at the Spanish media, they're they're trying to really bury Chicharito already. Um, I've been seeing an improvement in his play overall. It's not great. It's not what you expect from the most expensive player on the field. But um, tell me where Chicharito has been in dangerous spots and, you know, totally missed. Uh, you know, a, a goal. The bottom line is he he really hasn't. Um, outside of, you know, the first game, I think he had a chance to add a penalty kick and he missed that. Um, you know, he scored sort of the one tap in or the one, it wasn't a tap in, but it was a, a good move. Um, you know, the one goal that he had, he had the short, you know, the short-sighted one on this one, it's still about tactics to me. And if you're going to criticize anybody right now, I think Guillermo Barrichello has to have the finger pointed at him because the Galaxy aren't creating chances and it doesn't matter whether you have Ethan Zubak up there, Chicharito, or, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, the Galaxy aren't creating chances to be able to put away. And and to me, that seems the the, the biggest sort of story that's that's been sweeping over these last three games in the losing streak. The interesting thing with Chicharito is that when this, the Spanish-speaking media, especially the Mexican media, uh, get on the Zoom calls after the game, no matter who comes up, they always ask, like Nick Dupuy last night, it's, uh, what do you think of Chicharito's play? I mean, what, what's he what's he going to say? Yeah. You know, he's not going to throw his team in under the bus. There's really nothing he can say. But since Chicharito doesn't come to the post-game media sessions, I guess that's the best they can do. Um so, um, and, and, you know, Chicharito is going to miss a game coming up. I think the Galaxy in their, uh, you know, if they were able to draw this up, they would probably want him to miss the San Jose game, the, the road trip, um, maybe not the toughest opponent they're going to have coming up. Um, and they don't want him, you know, or, or maybe the, the midweek game next week so that he gets a break in between. But his wife's about uh, to give birth at any time, and he's going to miss at least one game. You know, if it happened – the, early this week again that would if the galaxy could draw it up because if it happens say next tuesday he's probably going to miss two games i would guess he'd miss the midweek game and maybe the weekend game the last thing you want to do is rush a guy back uh you know when his wife's just had a baby yeah i mean you know i think that's, that's you know about that yeah i was gonna say i think it's a little speculation though just in terms of he could very well if she ends up having the baby today um you know he probably won't miss any games my guess is he might even travel to san jose i know that sounds 
you know, cold and harsh, but we've seen that with professional athletes before that unless it's sort of happening, you know, the day before a game or, you know, the day of the game that for the most part, these guys seem to usually make it. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. And I wouldn't be surprised if he misses a game or multiple games because of it. But yeah, I mean, that's all sort of, we'll have to see the exact timing of it when it happens. I mean, you know, I guess the worst case for, for Chicharito is that he flies up to San Jose and then gets the call that is baby time. Um, and he has to turn around and go. So, uh, he's, he's also has that on his mind. And, uh, I don't know about anybody else who was, who's, whose wife was pregnant. Um, or if you were, uh, if you were pregnant yourself, but that was like a nervous time for me, I was, I was constantly sort of on edge and, and, you know, my son Jake came, came early. So, um, you know, there was, there was reasons to be a little, I guess, anxious and, and all sorts of stuff. So I don't know how much that's weighing on him as well, but bottom line is that, um, you know, he talked to Kelly Tennant, Spectrum Sportsnet afterwards, or Kelly Tennant. Uh, I'm so sorry, Megan Reza. Megan, yeah, Megan I was, I was going way back for a second. Uh, but he talked to Megan, um, and that's great. Um, but I feel like the LA Galaxy are certainly cushioning his media appearances right now. Uh, we haven't had him in a post game scrum since he came back. Uh, it's it's a little bit different because we're not in the locker room saying where's Chicharito. You know, it's sort of more who are the Galaxy going to give you, and you sort of have to stick with that. Um, I'm sure if I said that the Galaxy weren't making him available to us in the post game scrub, Kevin, that the LA Galaxy would tell me, well, then I need to to request him. Um, but for a guy who is the most expensive player on the LA Galaxy, for a guy who was touted as you know the the next, and he wasn't touted as the next Slaton, but is supposed to come in and replace a you know a big personality like Slaton Ibrahimovic, um, Chicharito has not been made available to us after games. So um, you know I'm glad that Megan got to talk to him, but that's a um, you know that's a little bit less of uh, of of some pressure that he would take if he went to the to the post game scrum because as you said the Spanish media are there waiting for him to be available in one of those games and there were probably I think thirty people on the call last night and I think like five of us actually asked questions so you you know where everybody's sort of waiting to see he's going to talk um, and maybe it's good for the galaxy maybe they're trying to keep his head clear and maybe that's what they should do. But as the most expensive player for the LA Galaxy, it's probably important that you hear from him on a regular basis. And I don't think that that's been the case. Uh, so well, I, I, I talk a lot about other sports, and I know Gio talked about it last night, too. Um, how, it, it, you know, LeBron James is the, the, the focus of the Lakers, and he speaks win or loss. Um, you know, the players are accountable in other sports. And um, I, I think you may be right. The Gal- Galaxy may be thinking they're protecting him, but. I don't think that's their job. I mean, he is a big boy. He's played for the biggest clubs in the world. He played for, you know, three World Cups. He knows how to say no comment. He knows how to answer questions. Uh, when, when you are the the, um, the best played player on the team, one of the best played in the league, you have a record, franchise record transfer deal, and you are the focus of the team. I think that you need to stand up and be accountable. And um, I'm not saying he needs to do long interviews and give great answers. If his answer is we put we put, you know, put our shorts on one leg at a time and just want to win for the team. That's fine. But I do think he needs to show up. And, um, I, my guess would be if we went to Chicharito, he'd probably say, you know what? I really don't want to come to those things, but I will, if, you know, if I need to, I, I, I do think the galaxy are protecting him. I think the galaxy are telling him, look, you don't need to do that. That's the wrong approach. I think the galaxy need to say, yeah, you do need to do this. We're trying to attract Mexican American fans to MLS and to the galaxy and it doesn't help us when we pay you $16 million, including the transfer fee, and you won't talk to the media afterward. Yeah, and, and again, I don't know if it's Chicharito saying I don't want to talk, or I don't know if it's the LA Galaxy not asking him to talk. I mean, th- th- those when are things. When he does talk, he is honest, he's bright, he's articulate, he's uh, cooperative, he's all the things you want him to be. That's kind of why I'm uh, I'm giving him the break on this. I'm leaning toward the Galaxy. And, then, you know, people give us a hard time. Oh, all you care about is what the media gets and, you know, access and all that. Yes and no. I mean, I think fans should care about that, too. These are the these guys need to stand up and be accountable. Um, everyone's talking about Chicharito's play, and no one's talked to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone's got an opinion on what's wrong with him. Well, we'd like to ask him that, and we'd like to tell the fans what he said when we ask him that question. We know what the fans uh, are wondering about. We'd like to ask him those questions and get those answers for you. Um, and so it's not about the media. It's about, you know, again, being, uh, you know, being stand-up guy, being responsible, uh, and, and, uh, and letting us know what's going on. 
Uh, he ended up with 32 touches in this game, which I think is actually pretty good. I think I mentioned that before. Um, if you go back and, and sort of look at uh, some of the other players, Efrain Alvarez, who came in as a sub, got 36 touches in a different position. I would expect that. Uh, Perry Kitchen, who came in as a sub, got 12 touches. Uh, Julian Araujo only had 20 touches on the night. Jonathan Dos Santos, 65. Joe Corona, I think, led the entire team with 75. Rolf Felcher was 74. There's Felcher and that offense again, um, as you look at it. And Sua had 66 touches. Um, so you can sort of look at this and say, okay, you know, how was that sort of put together? By the way, Joe Corona, in terms of touches and passes, was uh, one of the better players on the team last night. 92%, uh, 92.7% passing accuracy. He had four tackles. Um, he had one foul conceded as well. I mean, it's always difficult because if I go through and watch that game, I'll say that the connection between Jonathan Dos Santos and Joe Corona was poor. Um, I thought Jonathan Dos Santos had a poor game. Um, I thought that the connection between those two and the defense was non-existent. I think it caused the second goal when um, you had Roldan who sort of put the ball and curved it in behind Rolf Welcher for, for Jordan Morris to come on to. And then Morris hit a five hole on, on David Bingham. Um, I think that when you look at the play of Sebastian Legette, who had a goal and had two of the other best chances the LA Galaxy had, you have to say that in overall it was poor. I saw Sebastian Legette leading in front of uh, Chicharito many times last night in terms of you, you have an attack and Legette is in front of Chicharito, but, which, by the way, might actually work because I think somebody needs to sort of play off of or Chicharito likes to play off of another person. So maybe that's, the, that's an idea, but if you're going to do that, you need to set yourself up that way because if that's the case... Um, then Legette has to be in a position to score, you know, score more and and score better goals and, and do that. And you saw on the goal that he scored with his head um, that he was put in a position to succeed there. So uh, again, you can look at this. There's not a player on this team who had a good game. Um, I'm not going to say that it's anybody. In fact, if you know, I, I know the hammer does the grading and we give five stars out for the best performance. There wasn't a five star performance and there probably wasn't a four star performance on this team last night. Um, and that's that's just the way it is. Uh, and especially when you get a consolation goal, which, by the way, uh, I had my story ready to, to talk about the L.A. Galaxy's 367 minute scoreless streak and how it was continuing and how they could beat it the next time. And then Sebastian Legette scored in the 88th minute and it ended at 365 minutes. So I had to change my story, which always happens whenever I write something down. So I, I thought that was at least a humorous part of my night. Um, but the L.A. Galaxy had not scored a goal in 365 minutes and they score a throwaway trash consolation goal in the 88th minute. There's nothing positive about that whatsoever. And, and I talked about the 34 crosses, Kevin. The LA Galaxy, when they run out of ideas, and I think that's what you've been seeing them do since the loss to Colorado, Real Salt Lake, um, and then this loss against uh, Seattle. When they run out of ideas, they simply huff it up the wings to Insua or Rolf Felcher, and they let them cross the ball in. 34 crosses for the LA Galaxy to Seattle's 10. When the Galaxy were winning games during that during that uh, that uh, winning streak, when they were in that four-game winning streak, they didn't have 34 crosses in a game, Kevin. That's for darn sure. So for me, um, it, it's showing that this LA Galaxy team is reverting back to either who they are or reverting away from what got them four wins in a row. And if, if I'm Guillermo, I'm going back and looking at that tape and saying, we did this. We know how to play. Let's figure out why we're not playing the same way. And the, the simple answer is that they've gotten away from from crossing the ball on the ground to the second run and instead are, are trying to cross the ball in the air to almost nobody for most of the night. Well, I think you're, you, you, you're right on two things. I think they're reverting back to who they are. I think this is who they are. But you're right, too, that they are they can be much better. Um, they can raise the bar. They can hold themselves to a higher standard, and they can play much better. Those two wins over LAFC were not flukes. I mean, they they were really, really uh, – I, I thought they were going to – they looked like a team that was really going to make a long playoff run. Now they don't even look like a team that will make the playoffs. Um, I, I disagree with you a little bit, though, on the goal – um, I, I do think you can take something away from that. Um, I thought the Galaxy really had Seattle under pressure for about the last 15 minutes of the game. And you could see the, the, the Seattle uh, net was right in front of us. And we could see after the legit goal, the way many of the Seattle players reacted, that they were really upset that they gave away the clean sheet. They really wanted that. So it wasn't your typical consolation goal where, you know, there's a bunch of scrub, the second uh, second string is on the field and, and they really don't care. Those guys were really playing for that for that clean sheet. And I, I, you know, I thought the galaxy kept pushing and, and really put them under pressure. And I, you know, getting that goal, getting your reward for that 
especially late in the game. So it's you know it's sort of your last memory of the game. Yes, they were upset, they lost, and 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 that's what they're going to take away from the game. But they're also probably going to feel a little bit better about things that they did get on the on the scoreboard that uh, they got that out of the way. The scoreless streak that was weighing on a lot of guys' minds. They got that out of the way, and they can move forward. So yeah, it's not the it's not the the you know. The, the greatest thing in the world, but I, I, I do think they probably took a little bit more positive away from getting that goal than they, you know, if they had lost the game three to nothing. I think they might have a different mindset at this point. Yeah, you, you could be right. I'm, I'm just, I, I don't think there's any fans who certainly took anything positive away from that game. And I'm not of the, you know, uh, there's a, I'm not going to say it's a lazy question because it's not. It's, it's a good question, but it always seems to be leading a little bit, is which is, you know, uh, do you take anything positive from this game or is this one you just throw away and you and you move on to the you're throwing you, there's nothing don't take there are no positives there's nothing you take from this game and say okay yeah that's something that you know we got a little bit better on if you want to say that you you were more dangerous in the last 15 minutes that's great it was nice for the LA Galaxy to show up for 15 minutes of that 90 of that 90 minutes um, but throw this stuff away these are not the games that are important you can look and say you were playing against the best team in the Western Conference I understand that. I can put that in perspective. I can, I can sort of shape that in my mind to what what I saw. At the same time, that team had to travel from Seattle down to LA the day of the game, play that game, and travel back. And they looked like they had more energy than the LA Galaxy ever had. Um, so you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. But um, the question of you know, do you, can you take something positive? Then no. And and if you're satisfied with any part of that game. Uh, you probably need to be subbed out right now. I know that. Uh, I know that there's lots of people calling for for some different things to happen in terms of just trying to get some electricity and energy on the field. I mean, you know, Didi Traore came into that game and provided energy. You know what? Start the next game if you're going to provide that energy and you can get that type of intensity from the start of a game. Maybe you won't be chasing the game so much like the LA Galaxy have been doing. Um, you know, in the last three games. So there's some there's some real question marks about this team. Whether they're, I think they're they're mentally. Um, exhausted. Uh, I think physically, I'm sure they're tired, but mentally they're exhausted more than anything. And, and I don't know how, you know, I don't know if you send them all on like, you know, a retreat um, and, and you know, for, for a day of training, you send them to some hotel and they get to go lay by the pool and, and not worry about things for a little bit, maybe a little harder in COVID times. But but nonetheless, you're trying to give these guys, you know, a, a rest from just the constant thinking that they're doing. Um, and, and they're mentally exhausted. I don't know how all that works, but uh, something has to change. I think GBS is back on the hot seat, which certainly we can talk about. Um, but it's it, it's it's not it wasn't a good game. And to me, there's very little positives. The the thing it told me more than anything, Kevin, and I know I talk too much on the show, but I'll, I'll, I'll wrap my my sort of thought up here and then we'll transition a little bit. Uh, the thing that that got me was that uh, the Seattle Sounders are a contender for MLS Cup and that the L.A. Galaxy are nowhere near that level. Um, that's that's my takeaway from from that game. Yeah, but I wish I would have seen this game August 26th. This was not the makeup game. The game Seattle was supposed to play on the 26th that was canceled over the Black Lives Matter, uh, the racial injustice uh, protest, I guess, or demonstrations. Um, this was not that game. The, the Seattle has to come back yet again. But the, the Galaxy are playing really poorly right now. I wish that game would have taken place when the Galaxy was playing well. I still think Seattle would have won, but it would have been a much better game. Yeah, it very well could have, and uh, it would be maybe a little bit better. I don't know. I, again, it's sort of the argument about whether the LA Galaxy are uh, are is the real LA Galaxy the one that won four games in a row, or is it the one that's in a three game losing streak and and lost a whole bunch before that? Um, and I think we're in agreement that it's 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 what's happening right now is you're seeing the real Galaxy that they're not there. Uh, if you go back and look at um, you know, sort of 13 games across the last couple of seasons, I'll tell you the LA Galaxy are actually pretty close to where they were, um, you know, in all of these. So in 2018 through 13 games, they had 16 points and were 5-7-1. and one. Um, If you go to 2019, they were 7-5-1 and one for 22 points. Um, by the way, the 13th game was the fourth game of a four-game losing streak that the LA Galaxy were playing in 2019. Um, and then if you come to, you know, 20. 20 right now you see a three game losing streak it's it's funny the 2019 and the 2020 records you can tell kevin are are sort of similar in their waves right the la galaxy in 2019 had a um a five game winning streak and a six game seven game unbeaten streak during that time and then they lost four in a row and here you have the la galaxy on a four game winning streak and they've lost three in a row so gamma barish does this he he sort of 
shows you games and then they come back and then they, they, they lose games and then they win some games again and they're very streaky in all of this and I think that the shortness of this season and the way that this season is playing out is showing us right now, Kevin, that this team might be streaky and that streakiness might be enough to either get them into the playoffs and into a higher seed or completely leave them out of the playoffs. It's just going to be a matter of when they peak and when those string of good games comes back. Yeah, and you really want to, when you get to the playoffs, you really want to be a streaky team. I mean, that's when you want to be a team. You don't have to put together a, you know, a whole season worth of wins. You, you just got to put together a couple at the right time. Um, what you talked about, though, about Guillermo being on the hot seat, it, that's interesting because you can look at that two ways. You can say, um, did Guillermo take a team that's not that good and get them to win four straight and play really well? And in other words, does he have that in him? Can he do that? Or... Did Guillermo take a team that's really good and can win four straight games and beat LAFC twice and then, uh, you know, allow them to uh, underperform at the beginning of the season and to fall apart now? I mean, which which team is the Galaxy team? That tells us which coach is, you know, what kind of coach Guillermo is. But it, it's interesting, too. Um, I, I think, and I, I, I'm going to write in the soccer newsletter for Tuesday, that one of the things that Galaxy need to do is build some momentum and have some consistency and 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 have you know um, be able to build on the successes and even the failures and move forward. You know, Guillermo is the first coach since Bruce Arena to start consecutive seasons. Yeah, uh, you had uh, an awful didn't make it to his first season. Ziggy came back, didn't finish his season. Uh, Dom finished that year, and then Guillermo's taken over. So this is the first time the Galaxy have had a coach start consecutive seasons since Bruce left in 2016. Yeah, and and I don't know, you know, I don't really know what that gets us, right? I mean, what has that shown us with Guillermo, who I think has been wildly inconsistent with his performances? And and you can look at that in terms of just turnover, right? 2017, we talk about that team. And again, I think we talked about on a Thursday that some people were like, I'm getting 2017 vibes from this LA Galaxy team. Please stop. Your your memory's short. 2017 was a horrible year in terms of... um, just the talent that the LA Galaxy had on the field. I mean, they were so undermanned. There is talent on this team. You can't look at the starting lineup and not say that that's a team that should make the playoffs. That team should make the playoffs. You can argue whether or not that's an elite level team. We can have that discussion. Um, I think that as many people are now sort of coming to is that, you know, Chicharito leading your line as a forward is is probably something that's not going to happen. That he's probably going to need another body up there. And so where do you get another body? Do you go out and get one in the transfer market in order to make this work? Chicharito's a long long-term player for you uh, for the LA Galaxy. So you need to find something that works for him um, and you need to find something that works for the LA Galaxy. Maybe that's why Christian Pavone absolutely doesn't get paid the $20 million because the Galaxy need to go out and find a second striker or a first striker and let Chicharito be that second striker to sort of play underneath um, and, and do those things. So I mean, there's lots of questions about Guillermo Barrascoloto. I don't even know. You know, it's a COVID-shortened season. It's a weird season. Uh, there's going to be an asterisk next to anybody who wins an MLS Cup. But having said that, somebody's going to lift a cup. Somebody's going to get a star. Um, can you judge Guillermo on um, sort of those performances? Uh, that, that's It's a question that I think constantly must be on the back of the front office's mind. I know it's certainly something that I pay attention to on a regular basis is whether or not Guillermo Verascoloto is the right guy to continue with his LA Galaxy team. Well, again, it's you know it, it depends on your assessment of the team. Did Guillermo get them to overperform in this four-game winning streak uh, and take a bad team and make it perform or – you know, or, or is he unable to get these guys to uh, play well on a consistent basis? We need to find that out because this is a three-year rebuilding plan, according to Dennis, who said that last year. So this is the second year. Um, that means next year is the year that they're supposed to be playing really well. Um, this doesn't look like a team that's going to be playing really well next year. And if they lose Pavone, you know, that, that puts them in an even deeper hole. And they don't have, right now, they don't have a lot of flexibility. Be, uh, you know, Chicharito signed for two more years, or at least he has a, an, a year and an option left. Um, Jonah is signed through the end of the 2021 season, is our understanding. Um, if they sign Pavone, all of a sudden they're they're locked into designated players again. And I think that's a dangerous place to be when you have no flexibility and a guy like Iguain or uh, maybe another player, uh, you know, Zalatan comes on the market and you don't have the money or the space to go out and get him. Yeah, it's uh, it's always opportunity costs. You know, if you're going to sign somebody, what are what are the what are the opportunity costs of of not being able to sign somebody else uh, whenever they come available? I was looking at the uh, the Galaxy's away record, which is interesting. Their their loss against RSL last week um, was uh, a, the first time that they lost on the road all year. 
um, which is sort of an, an interesting look at that. Uh, you know, they're they're averaging 1.6 points per game on the road, and they're aver- averaging one point per game at home. So right now, the LA Galaxy are a better road team than they are um, a home team. So maybe that plays out for the Galaxy, and maybe that's really weird, especially in COVID, that that would be the case. But so far, that's sort of the things that we're seeing as they uh, as they sort of play out. I thought that was an interesting little tidbit there. Um, the only other thing I want to talk about the Seattle game, and I know we've sort of gotten you know to some of the stats. Oh, I have, I have some other stats. Let me get to this stat. Uh, the, the designated players, uh, we keep track of the total available minutes, which is now at 3,510. 3, so 3,510 total minutes available to the designated players. Um, they have played a total of 2,072 of those total available minutes. And so they're creeping towards 60% uh, of the total available minutes played. Uh, Javier Hernandez is at 43%. Christian Pavone is at 100%. He hasn't missed a single minute of the game this year. Uh, and Jonathan Dos Santos is at 33.6% uh, in terms of his availability. So uh, just to keep your eye yeah, on that, that. That's a great stat on Pavone. I mean, that is what you want from – that was what Robbie Keane was. That's what you want from your designated player. You're paying that guy that much money. He is a de facto team leader, whether he wants to be or not. When you take that big salary, you are the, the team leader. Uh, and Pavone's played every minute of every game. That That is a really good stat, and that's something I think fans should be really happy with. Re- regardless of, of whether he has a great game, you know, has a hat trick or, or or does not have a good game, he's out there playing the 90 minutes. And I think that's, uh, to his credit, that's a, that's a good thing that you want to see from a DP. Uh, so that was one of the stats that I had in there. And yeah, I mean, it shows the value of, of Christian Pavone. I mean, we, I don't think anybody was surprised. Um, we're, I'm projecting goals, and it's weird in a game that, that weird in a season that only has 23 um, games to try and predict how many goals the LA Galaxy will score. So I didn't do that. I'm actually still project, predicting on a 34 game season so that way we can compare it to the other seasons that are sort of going on. Uh, right now, if everything ended and the Galaxy technically could pay 34 games, they would have scored about 44.5 goals and given up 57.5 goals. Uh, that comparative to the defense. So let's look at the defense. Defense in 2019 gave up 59 goals. Uh, It was 64 in 2018. So it is a slight improvement right now. Uh, The Galaxy are, though, scoring considerably less goals. 58 was what they finished with in 2019. 66 in 2018. Uh, They're on average to score about 45 goals, like I said, across a 34-game season. You'd expect a 23-game season for those numbers to be much shorter, but if we're going to compare them to other years, I wanted to sort of um, throw that out. That's a lot on. Yeah, yeah, it is a lot on. That's exactly uh, and and when Zlatan's not there, the LA Galaxy um, don't score as much. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. All no, right. I think I think we knew that the, the argument we knew they were going to score less. The argument was at least uh, from my side was would they be a better team? And I thought they would be a better offensive team, even though they would score less. Obviously, I was wrong. That has not happened. I thought they would play better as a team, and that has not happened. And you know, it almost looks like sometimes they're, they're looking for Zlatan. You know, someone take a someone take control of this game. Who do we follow? Someone lead us. And no one's really stepped. Pavone tried to be that guy for a little while. Um, so Sebastian Lejet almost did for a little while, but no one's really stepped up to say, "Come on, guys, jump on my shoulders, let's go." Yeah, Lejet, by the way, has five goals, um, which I believe now takes him into second in his uh, for his career high in a season. Uh, I think he had seven ga- seven goals the first time uh, he came on with the LA Galaxy in his he first. The- yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought no. you were going to keep going. He's the longest tenured Galaxy player. He and Steras are the only ones still on the team from the 2016 playoffs. But uh, um, Legette started the year before Steris, so he's the longest tenured Galaxy player now. It's uh, it, it, again the turnover. It happens if it's that many years. You're going to have certainly the turnover. I think it's a little higher whenever you look at all the coaching changes that the Galaxy have gone through and all those different things. So, um, just interesting times for the LA Galaxy. Let's get to a little bit uh, more news uh, that we wanted to cover. Um, Colorado and and the coronavirus uh, outbreak that's hitting the Rapids right now. Um, there were four positive cases that forced the postponement of uh, Colorado's match with Sporting Kansas City, um, and now the Colorado Rapids have had seven more individuals test positive. So that the club now has a total of eleven. Uh, the LA Galaxy scheduled to travel to Colorado on 
October 10th. Um, so they're supposed to head to uh, Dick's Sporting Good Park um, and play that game on October 10th. And so that's sort of a question mark right now. And Colorado is supposed to, I believe, play games this weekend. Um, and I don't think that that's going to happen right now. So um, we'll see how that outbreak is sort of uh, fenced in. But I would imagine right now, Kevin, is that Colorado's not able to train. Um, one, because they have 11 people out. Um, and I think that's coaches and players. So whenever you look at that, understand that it might not all be players. Um, so you can sort of keep your eye on that. Um, and then the other part about this is, is how quickly they can recover, how quickly they can be ready. I mean, you may see a, a Colorado team that is recovered technically and, and now ready to play the LA galaxy. It's just, it's all up in the air. And I think this is just the first point that this could all go off the rails real quick here. Yeah, it, it, as we talked about before, if they find out, you know, one of those infected players played in the last game and the player from the, you know, and then the other team has to shut it down. And yeah, it, it could spread really fast. So we saw that with baseball. Baseball had a chance to recover. Uh, and the Cardinals, one of the teams that missed all those games at the start and had to play a bunch of double headers, they, they're in the playoffs now. So they had a chance to recover, but they had, what, three months, um, you know, uh, MLS has, I think, what is it, nine games remaining now? Yeah, it's um, ten. It's ten for the Galaxy, but but nine basically for everybody else. If the Galaxy make up that game with Seattle, which is a, I guess, an if at this point. So we still haven't well, seen anything. So, so if you start this weekend, it's nine, nine games in 35, 36 days, depending on whether you play Saturday or Sunday. Um, there's no chance for many makeup games. Maybe a team could force one in there. It'll be exhausting. But if you had to make up two games, and or if you're the Galaxy and you have to play ten, now you have to play eleven in 35 days. Wow. That's going to be really tough. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And you have to remember the LA galaxy just played Colorado at home, uh, on nine nineteen. So, uh, it seems that at least as of now, the LA galaxy, and we've seen them go in for uh, coronavirus testing, um, from players, social media accounts and how it goes. I believe they're tested every other day. Um, so they sort of go in there and, and get that done. You would have to imagine that with incubation period and everything else, the galaxy seem to have at least stayed out of that stream with, with Colorado. Um, it's certainly a, a thing to keep an eye on. And again, um, you know, you look at who Colorado played during that time and who the galaxy will play against. It's just, it's it, everybody gets mixed together. And we talked about having these games very close together, Kevin, this is the pot. This is the problem. If you have, you know, an outbreak on a team is that they played three teams in the last week. Um, and so do you have to, you know, quarantine and check everybody? I mean, for the most part, MLS is staying on top of this and, and checking everybody all the time. But this is this is this is one of those things that could derail the season just by snapping your fingers uh, if it gets too crazy. Yeah, I'm going to give the league benefit of the doubt because they uh, really handled the MLS's back tournament very well. It got off to a bad start and it really looked like that thing was hanging by a thread and they finished it. Kudos to them. So they knew what they were doing. They got it done. And so I'm going to defer to them on this and not get too excited, but you're absolutely right. When you're playing three games in a week and, and we know the incubation period is what it is and it can, it can be up to two weeks. Um, if a guy tests positive and is, you know, has a really serious case, you might have to go back to three or three or four games and all those teams are infected. And then the teams that play, you're right. It could go off the rails real quickly, but, uh, you know, I panicked. Uh, I didn't panic. I, I, I was very cautious at the beginning of MLS back and it worked out really well. So I'm going to let the MLS manage this, but you're right. It, 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 there's, you can certainly put together a scenario where this could get really ugly. Yeah. You, there was a little panic. I mean, not a lot, but you know, there was, there was, you were, you were, you were inching towards panic. Maybe just just a little bit on 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 the whole MLS's back tournament. Well, um, I wanted to come back. I didn't want to feel very. <laughs> that's very unsafe in Florida. <laughs> I understand. Well, at least you're in a safer state in Texas. Have fun with that. Um, let's see, Pavone to Argentina. We're we're talking about, and we talked about the World Cup qualifiers. We talked about the fact that um, that Pavone very well could miss multiple games. Um, when, 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 and if this happens, this is the same for Rolf Felcher as well. Um, the decisions on the roster should be coming down here this week. Um, I would imagine Kevin and, uh, you and I were talking before we started Argentina, unlike some teams who maybe had 30 people on their provision and, and their preliminary roster, um, Argentina only has 26 and they only get to cut three to get down to 23. So Pavone is one of those guys who I think is on the bubble. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if all 26 travel and they cut down that that three. Is that, that's sort of what we were thinking, right? 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of the other teams call up 35 players, and that's because if someone gets hurt, you know, the guy that is going to step in to replace him is already on the roster. He doesn't feel like an afterthought. He's like, I was named on the roster. I'm a legit player. With Argentina, they know these are our 26 best guys. There's nobody else really competing for this. And the reason I think, you know, the, the game day limit, you know, the, the roster limit is 23, and then, you know, you suit up 18 on game day. The reason I think that they would, might call all 26 in is because they have to go all the way to Argentina. That is a long flight. And if Messi shows up and he can't play because he got cramped up on the plane or something, it's going to be very hard to get a, a forward to fly all the way down from the States uh, on short notice. So I, I think they call up all 26. The problem, as we know, is, um, and this, you know, when a FIFA window comes, especially for a competitive game, teams have to give up players that are called up. Um, you know, they're penalized heavily if they don't do that. Here's the problem. And a lot of leagues around the world are petitioning FIFA for this. A lot of teams in Europe don't want to send their players, don't want their players to go to Africa to play. I think they're, those nations down there may be playing friendlies. I don't know if it's a competitive match. But, you know, they don't want uh, someone leaving England and going down to Mali and then uh, being there for a week and then having to come back. They, they just, you know, they're afraid of uh, whether you know, someone will get infected down in Africa. Other countries as well. It's just not, I'm, I'm not just picking on Africa, but you know, teams leaving Europe and going to places where there has been an outbreak, they're a little worried about that. And I'm sure they're worried, you know, Gabriel Jesus uh, from Man City having to go to Brazil. You know, they're worried about that. Neymar, they're, they're worried about that kind of stuff. It's just not the U.S. So, um, you know, there has been some talk about trying to get some sort of an allowance where um, maybe they move these dates. Maybe teams have the right not to uh, release certain players. MLS has sent some letters down to some of the Confederate. Uh, to the federations in South America saying we don't want to release these players. So we'll see what happens. As far as I know right now, LAFC is the only team on record, Bob Bradley saying, we want our players to go play for the national team if they're called up. They stand to lose four. They stand to lose Brian Rodriguez, Diego Rossi to Uruguay, and seeing Fuentes and Diego Palacios would go to Ecuador, um, especially if they lose Rossi and Brian Rodriguez and Vela is still hurt. That leaves them with only one forward with more than a dozen games of MLS experience. The Galaxy are not quite in that position, but you can see if they lose Pavone for the three games, they would lose him for for the games, and then he has to go through a 10- to 12-day quarantine. When he comes back, he would miss five to six of the Galaxy's last eight games, and then we start all over again in the playoffs. The, uh, South, the second round of South American qualifiers will interfere with the MLS playoffs, and it could be another situation where guys miss three weeks, uh, you know, a week and a half or so for the games, and then 10 to 12 days in quarantine. Well, as we've seen from uh, from Major League Soccer a little bit here uh, with the Iguain situation, they seem to be flexible in terms of that quarantine. Uh, although I think Kai Kamara went from Colorado to, where did he get traded to, Minnesota? Minnesota, yeah. Yeah, Minnesota. I think he had to go from t- a 10-day quarantine, and he stayed in the country. Uh, Iguain actually went down to Mexico, and I think they chartered a flight for him and then brought him back. Maybe they kept him in like you know a plastic bubble the whole time, however did it. But, you know, MLS yeah, he wants- made me. Yeah, go ahead. He might have been quarantined there. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> no, I was going to say, maybe may have been quarantined in the plane in the airport. Uh, same thing with Stephen Bettisor when he got signed by Colorado. And who knows, he may be caught up in this whole infection thing now. We don't. I don't think we know the players' names, but he told me he was in L.A. Um, uh, before he signed, and then he had to go into quarantine just to go from L.A. to Colorado. Yeah. Um, but again, it, most of those rules usually hold hold uh, hold hold the same way. Uh, Iguain was playing for Miami. However, uh, M- MLS decided to bend that rule uh, they did it for that, so we'll see if they decide to bend any more rules. I heard there was talk about them trying to shorten that quarantine period to maybe five days, but right now, that's that's the rule that they came up with was, you know, 10 to 12 days, and so, you know, if you're going to abide by it, you have to abide by it, uh, and that could mean that, you know, Christian Pavone or Rolf Felcher, and people can pretend that Rolf Felcher isn't an important part, but if Julian Araujo keeps getting suspended in games, you're going to need a right back, and so Rolf Felcher leaving for six games um, also could be a problem for the LA Galaxy. So, uh, lots of things coming up uh, as we look forward to uh, to the game against San Jose. Uh, there's there's rumors that Yoni Gonzalez could play uh, a part in that San Jose game. I'm kind of expecting that at right now. We'll find out. I believe uh, we have media availability on Thursday morning, so uh, hopefully we'll have a Thursday morning update on that, so that way we can talk to you Thursday night for our live show on Thursday. So doesn't it make sense for him to play? You're going into this stretch of really a whole bunch of games in a short period of time. You want to make sure your roster is all set. 
you know, let, let him play a little bit. I'd bring, I'd bring him off the bench late in the game. Just let him get his feet wet and feel it out a little bit and, and then have Guillermo get a sense of what he has. You can't really tell that in training. You yeah. need to see that in the game. Yeah, no, he has to play. You know, I would imagine he could pick up, you know, 20 to 25 minutes at the end of the game. I, uh, I told everybody that he was started training with the team and that he wasn't, uh, that they didn't want to dress him for the game against Seattle only because he just really started training with the team. He hasn't been playing games down in Brazil. This, I think, is, is something that is well known to most of our listeners is that there's a difference between training individually in your hotel room running running on a treadmill or training individually out in a park and team training. Uh, and there's a difference between team training and games. Uh, all those things are steps up in intensity. All those things require more from you. So as you go from individual to team and team to game, um, you know, your fitness has to increase. Your quickness has to increase. All those things have to increase. And if he hasn't been playing, which he hasn't been, uh, it's going to take him a little while to spool up into that. That's not him being out of shape. Uh, which, by the way, I saw people can be like, you know, uh, uh, basically accusing him of being out of shape, showing up out of shape. They're like, he had one job. He's he, as, as far as I can tell, he's in perfectly fine condition. There's zero issues with that. But in order for him to get into a game, it takes a little bit of training and it takes actually getting into games before you do it. It's why Chicharito comes back and has to, you know, come off the bench for three games and didn't just start for 90 minutes. Um, yeah, all those things are, are, are sort of equal. You have to work into it. And you have to get on the same page with your teammates. Walker Zimmerman told me about that. As you, you know, you said you come back from a national team training camp, and this is one of the things you see a lot of times. This guy's going off to national team. They come back. Maybe there's a new teammate. Maybe someone is now fitter than they were before. And he said, you just can't get on the same page with them right away. The guy is faster than he was before, so now all my passes are behind him. Or the guy's got a, you know, his he's got a tweak in his ankle that he doesn't want to tell anybody about. And now all of a sudden my passes are in front of him because he's not as fast as he was before. Um, guys turn to the right or to the left, depending. You know, Yanni needs to learn all that stuff. And you can look at tapes and try to figure that out. But until you're on the field, and sometimes even training doesn't do it, uh, guys get a little more geeked up in the games and they're a little bit faster and they move a little bit differently um and, and you you have to make sure you're reading the defender the same way a lot of stuff doesn't happen and you know you th that's why the idea of yanni gonzalez flying in from brazil jumping off and playing 90 minutes was ridiculous to start with he's going to need some time to get the a feel for his teammates uh, you just can't just get off the plane and start playing well we imagine he's been in la for what at least 10 days right because he had to quarantine whenever he got here that's that's our that's our understanding of it, that he had been here for a lot longer than the galaxy led us to believe um, on that and that now his quarantine is up and now he's actually able to get onto that. But yeah, I mean, it, he's not just going to jump into a game and, and play. Um, there's going to be some of that, especially being he there were no games in Brazil when he was playing. It's not like he comes from, you know, a league that was playing. Um, so uh, all those things are, are interesting. It's going to be one of the storylines that we follow all the way up to the San Jose game. 7.30 p.m. on Saturday, uh, this game on Spectrum Sportsnet, uh, the LA Galaxy taking on the San Jose Earthquake. So make sure you check that one out. All right. Uh, anything else, Kevin? We good? No, we keep having trouble with our connection, so we should probably call this a day yeah, or well, a night, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever, whatever. It's it's not like you went to a different country. You're you're only like two hours ahead of time. Feels so. like it. Feels I know, like it. I know, absolutely. All right, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to the LA Times, latimes.com, where you can find Kevin's coverage of soccer and other things. Uh, and some of those other things are actually pretty good, so maybe you should read them. Uh, latimes.com. Kevin does a great job. Uh, he's away in Houston, and he was nice enough to stop by and uh, talk to us for a little bit. So that was good. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can find all of our articles, all of our game rankings, all of our reviews, all of our previews and recaps, all of our podcasts, all that stuff right there, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right, uh, that does it for Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter. I'm Josh Pato Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>